TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Way back and gone. Touch them all. It's Touch Them All. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying Touch Them All. Hot ground ball. It's fair down the line. Astadio around second. He'll gain third base. Austin the second. Oh, he's going to lose his helmet. And Astadio comes <laughs> home, and from first base, he scores on the double. La Tortuga <laughs> gets a nice ovation from the fans as the Twins score the game's first run. Who was it? Was uh, it was Nunez that always used to lose his helmet? Right, Wetmore. It was Eduardo Nunez could physically not keep a helmet on his head from first to third base or any distance. That guy really. a chin strap is is. Some some of these he guys said he I didn't think, want one. They get the helmet that's one size too big, just so they can kind of. You know what let it the was? Wind catch the brim. He always said if you put some padding in there, it wouldn't fit right. Well, put a chin strap. Nah, it's not comfortable. <laughs> okay, well then just stop tipping your head back when you run. I think he knew he became known as lose your helmet guy, and I'm not saying he hated that. You got to stay on brand <laughs> once you get to that point. He was all in. Uh, it's touch them all. I'm Phil Mackey, and that's Derek Wetmore. We've got Manny Hill hanging out, and. Programming alert, if you are listening live on Score North on 1500, we're going to give away two pairs of Twins tickets at random sometime during the hour. We're going to make you earn it. We're going to throw out a couple Twins trivia questions. We're going to give away Twins home opener tickets for this Thursday, where uh, we're going to be hanging out across the street at Kieran's Irish Pub. Score North will be live from noon until 6. So join us for the pregame. Dave St. Peter, Twins president, is going to come hang out and uh, answer questions in the 1 o'clock hour. Uh, but we're going to give away tickets at random during this show today and uh, be listening for, for trivia. I want to ask you this question off the bat, okay? Alex Kirilov, 21 years old, and I just saw MLB.com came out with uh, their their prospect list. So going into this season, he's the ninth best prospect in all of baseball, according to MLB.com. Royce Lewis, I think, is fifth on that list. So the Twins have potentially two top ten prospects on their hands. And Alex Kirloff is the one that gets not quite as much pub as Royce Lewis because Royce Lewis is the number one overall pick, shortstop, and was just the more sort of public figure and and flashier draft pick. But Kirloff, in his 185 career minor league games to this point, 335 batting average, OPS over 900. He's got power. He hits for average. He doesn't strike out in an era of strikeouts. So everything would lead you to believe that this dude, and he's probably going to start the season, what, at double A? Yeah, this I would year? think so. So that he's knocking on the door. What Derek Wetmore makes Alex Kirilov different than some of the either failed or struggling prospects that have jaded Twins fans over the past few years? Yeah, I think if you're a fan of prospects, you know the top 10 guys just about every year. And if you're a Twins fan... That might have soured you a little bit on the whole top 10, top 50, whatever, prospects. I would say, one, don't give up on the guys who used to be top prospects. I mean, there's still a lot of hope for a guy like Byron Buxton. But secondly, you look at the rate of success of those top players. You look at the top of the draft every year. We love to point out the busts, the failures. Oh, can't believe they took that guy fourth. Yeah, but... Picking from that subset of players, you've got a much better chance to find a Hall of Famer or just a superstar player than you do picking at random from a group of minor leaguers or a group of good players. That's that's what this boils down to for me, that 
Alex Kirilov probably doesn't get talked about enough given how awesome he is and was last year. As a 20-year-old in the Florida State League, he earned that promotion. He had a 393 on base, hit for all kinds of power. And I don't know if you got to see the game Sunday, Phil, but they had Kirilov, Royce Lewis, and uh, Trevor Larnick, last year's first-round pick. So three first-round picks back-to-back-to-back in the batting lineup against the Yankees and James Paxton. And it was all kinds of fun to watch. Like, I'm sitting here picturing in my head, like, okay, I know this is just March 2019, but it could just as well be June 2021, right? Like, that is what the Twins are pinning their hopes on for the future, and Kirilov is a huge, huge part of that. But And, and so isn't the word now, because he's an outfielder, but the Twins just locked up Max Kepler to a long-term deal. They're hopeful that Byron Buxton is going to be out there for 10 years. Eddie Rosario is maybe their best player right now. Um so outfield's a logjam. It sounds like they're moving Kirloff. Is it full-time to first base, or is it just mixing in at first base? I think he's going to do a little bit of everything. He's still a corner outfielder. It's his jam. But if you foresee a path to him getting to the big leagues as early as this summer, which I do, it could happen if the positions work their way out and he continues to hit the way he did last year as he rises up the minors. Yeah, absolutely, he's on the radar for 2019. So where do you put him? Okay, well, DH is... Pretty well spoken for, you hope. They moved him around at first base as a way of figuring out, long-term, could he do this? I don't think this is a, hey, uh, June 1st, we're going to have a need, and you're our first baseman. I I don't think that's it at all. I think it's more, okay, what could you do if the bat is so far ahead of the availability in the outfield? Let's try and figure something else out. And I think that's a pretty good sign how highly they think of that guy. It, you remember a couple years ago, they moved Eddie Rosario to second base because they were like, well, we're pretty we're good here in the outfield. Or at least that was the thinking at the time that he moved to second base. Well, then Brian Dozier blasted off. And so you're like, okay, well, we're set at second base. Go back to the outfield. Yeah. When you move a prospect around that can hit like that, it's, some people view it as like it's a demotion or a slap on the not at all. This is how can we get this guy up here as quickly as possible so that he can help our big league club win games. I think that's what they're doing with Kirloff. What's the earliest date if so he's let's say he starts at double A and he just and he hits just the way he has at low A and high A. So he's hitting three forty yeah. and he's hitting for power and it's at double A. Are they going to make improve it for two months, three months? I mean, if he starts hot, what's the soonest you think they would call him up? Well, what are you looking for out of the season? I think that's an important question to answer. So I'll put you on the hot seat, Mr. Uh, Derek Falvey. What is your objection for 2019? Like, wh- or what's your objective? What's your goal here? To make the playoffs. So to at least play in the one-game wildcard game and ideally compete with Cleveland. And quick, quick aside... I can't help but shake this feeling that Cleveland's like a slow start away from trading everybody. They, they've been giving <laughs> off these weird vibes of, well, uh, Lindor's hurt, and we're taking offers on some of these guys who might be free agents soon. And they, like, if the Indians start six games under five hundred and it's mid-May, are they going to start shopping Kluber again? Is the question. But that's a topic for maybe another then I'd segment. place a phone call. <laughs> like, well, <laughs> sure. Right. But what I what I say here with Kirloff is it's a it's a little bit like. If I remember the timing right, what the Dodgers did with Cody Bellinger, where Co- so Cody Be- okay. Cody Bellinger was ready to rock as a prospect, and I think I'm pretty sure they started the season with like Adrian Gonzalez was their first baseman, and uh, but then once they realized, okay, we're contending, and this guy is just a bat to add, it's like a trade. Um, I would say much more likely to call up Alex Kirloff earlier if you're. 
above 500 and you're fighting for the division and you're fighting for the wild card spot sure. than if you're losing. If you're losing, yeah, yeah, yeah. you might want to slow cook that a little bit more. Well, and-, and there are all kinds of variables here. And let's not even talk about service time because that's a real thing that teams talk and think about. But aside from that, there's also the fact that, like, I liked his game yesterday. It, it was good to watch. He didn't show up in the box score like Royce did. It was good to see Royce flying around the bases, of course, uh, and playing a good shortstop. But you have two deep fly balls against a legit top-of-the-rotation pitcher for the Yankees who's in his final tune-up start for the regular season. That's encouraging, even if it doesn't show up in the box score. So I looked at him yesterday, and I thought, that there, this dude, there's something there. Because I watched him take BP down in Fort Myers, and I was like, it's he's got that sound that they talk about, right? But then again, he's just 21 years old. So I'm perfectly fine if I'm the twins letting this slow play a little bit. I don't think I don't think this is a situation where you're like if CJ Crone has a bad first 5 weeks, you're like on the phone with Pensacola being, yeah. "Hey, can we get this guy ready? What do you think? How's his defense?" blah blah blah. I think it's more that like it's Pensacola now. That's yeah. super weird. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not not sure I'm going to Well, who knows? We'll see. We'll see what the score north uh uh, travel budget is like in uh, May and June, but I think that there's um, there's an element here that's like it's cool that you like to dream about him coming and saving 2019, but that's like 15 steps ahead for me. A, let's see how he performs out of the gate. B, let's see how the Twins are doing relative to the Indians and just their own expectation. Then let's see how the players on the Twins roster are doing before we even start talking about this. But I think in a perfect world, Phil. I mean, if you just want to dream, hey, this is a top 10 prospect in all of baseball, so let's just assume performance-wise things go great. You'd love to see him go play in a Southern League All-Star game, get that experience as the guy on a team, help buoy a team's chances down there, learn to win, do all those things that we talk about in terms of developing minor leaguers, and then it's a fun topic of conversation. If it's in July, you're in it, and there's a need for a bat, at that point, I'd say, look out, all bets are off. Just because he's only 21 doesn't mean that he couldn't be making his big league debut. Yeah, it feels like for so long, the way this has been framed is, oh, man, you just need a Twins prospect to be called up to have something interesting to watch for the rest of the year. And this is a chance for the Twins to call somebody up, potentially, as we go further down the road, and maybe have him actually help in a, in a pennant race if you're, if you're tracking that direction. Um, yeah, go we're, we're 15 steps ahead. Here. Well, we you, should say that. I, I think it's less than that. I because I think the Twins are okay. You, we're 12 steps ahead. I think the Twins are going to be more, more competitive this season than you think they are going to be, or at least I think they have a higher upside than you have said on this show. And so I'm already thinking ahead to if they're going to be in contention, and if this dude is for real and he's going to be carving it up at Double A in the first two or three months. I'm like I'm tracking for like. Second half of the season, he's part of your team and he's your DH or your first baseman. That's, That's possible. what I'm looking at right well, now. How do you keep him from Super 2 then, Phil? How I don't do you care. keep his service time down? I don't care about any of that. If you're in contention <laughs> and he's ready, it doesn't. none of that stuff I'm matters. just messing with you. Like that, <laughs> These are the things that top prospects have to go through. They have to be talked about constantly. Vlad Guerrero Jr. is not going to open the season in Toronto. It's kind of shameful. But, and that's, so... That's ridiculous to me. Now they can hang their hat on always injured and. Oh no, I know, but he wasn't going to anyways. Let's not pretend. It's actually really convenient that he got hurt at the beginning of spring training, so they can say, "Oh, let's just well just make sure and we'll just let's go to Chicago where Eloy Jimenez signs an extension in order to start the season on the big league club." Right? Was it an eight-year deal or something? That to me, 
I think I think it's going to be less of a worry in the future because they have to address something about this yeah. in the next collective bargaining agreement. But I I think Kirloff's going to be in the big leagues before that's a thing. Yeah. So it's I'm I'm just throwing it out as you. It, as a curveball to you, just to kind of get you off your argument there for a second. But it is something that people are going to have to think about and talk about with the Twins. I'm putting you on the spot here, Derek sure. Wetmore, but, uh, and you can read all of Derek's awesome Twins coverage at scorenorth.com, S-K-O-R-North.com. And if, if you're just, since we're cheap plugging here real quick, uh, the Glenn Perkins show debuted last week on our uh, Score North Twins shows feed. If you want to subscribe to all of our twin shows, you can find them all in one feed, but scorenorth.com is a great hub for that. Glenn was awesome. Behind-the-scenes stories, talking about how to become a dominant pitcher through scouting and through analytics, and that show is going to be weekly starting next week, and you'll find it live on Score North uh, 1 o'clock on Thursdays. But on the first time thing real quick, have you put much thought into how because it's going to be a there there might be a lockout or a strike just solely based on the players think that owners and GMs are colluding against them and trying to hold their earning power down and so i think the fight on the other side is going to be well we need to be free agents but some of these guys are in systems for 10 years before they become free agents yeah. right so there's going to be a fight and it would be nice if players would just get called up when they're ready to be called up as players as opposed to service time yeah in the nba you get drafted, and you're on a team, and you're ready to play. If you can't play, you're down to the G League, and then you're back up when you can play again. The NFL, there's no feeder system and no service time BS. Yeah. Have you put much thought into how both sides can fix this to where, hey, if Vlad Guerrero Jr. or Alex Kirloff are just ready to play, then they're going to play? Well, this is too simpleton, and so I need to put more thought into coming up with a good way. And uh, and I trust me, there's way, way smarter people than me figuring this out, but one thing that I think is just, sort of obvious is round up round up if Vlad Guerrero Jr. is going to be here at any point this year that's a year of service time not oh well shoot oh randomly you fell four days short of the cutoff time for 172 days of work sorry well I guess that's going to come back to hurt you in 2020 2023 ah, our, our bad well sorry it's not dumb luck it's the Chris Bryant thing, and I'm curious to see what's going to happen in that. Uh, I don't have a ton of faith that something huge is going to come out of Chris Bryant or others who are pressing this issue. But if you collectively bargain it, then maybe you do have a little bit of power. If you round up, it would help someone like Vlad Jr. But it would also, you'd maybe even rewind the clock here. Does he get called up in September then? I mean, probably not. He just doesn't get called up then if it's right. You would, would, would right. Would, would he? If you're the Blue Jays this season, for instance, and you thought, yeah, you're just going to finish in last place, or he's second playing last in place, AAA. Would he just never get called well, up until at, next year? At the logical extreme of that, that is what <laughs> cheap front offices would try to do. Absolutely, but yeah. I do wonder. Like maybe there has to be an exception for September. Like I'd love to have a guy up who's 21 soaking up the vibe, as it were, from big leaguers in September and getting this grind in. Maybe it's fourth. So we can sell some tickets. Yeah. Great. That's also good for his development. That's, I would do that. That's what NBA teams do, right? Carl Anthony Towns, you're quote unquote batting fourth on a crappy Wolves team. Yeah, sure. Go out there and sell some tickets. And you're 21. I, it's different. Apples to oranges a little bit, although I don't think those two things are that hard to compare. They're both fruits. But when I look at baseball, I say Touché. like, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> September is an interesting time. And I don't know that you can factor it into this whole service time thing because there is, in my opinion, like, 
intangible benefit from having a guy there living a big league lifestyle for a month. But is a team going to pay a full year for that? Especially with a guy who they project to be a superstar? No way. Teams are just not going to call him up if every solution is, well, we round up, round up, round up. What I'm tired of seeing, Phil, is the April 15th debut for the top prospect. Well, he needed two weeks to go work on his glove. No, he had six weeks in spring training. You're lying. Just let's, let's bury that argument. I don't know what they're going to do, but that would be one option to me to say, this mid-April call-ups, forget about it. If he's got five and a half months of service, that's a year. He can qualify for free agency at the same time he otherwise would have. Yeah, it would. It they got to fix be, it. And it, it. And if you're a casual fan, imagine being a casual fan of an NFL team and wondering, why isn't... That doesn't make any sense. Why Baker isn't, Mayfield like, this year? Yeah. Yeah, no, sorry. And it's not because... We're not ready to win. Or like in the NBA, your team drafts Zion Williamson, and you're just like, ah, we're gonna it's gonna play in Des Moines, cook, cook this dude in the minor leagues well, for a while. Look, so just quickly, he's write some buses. Actually. <laughs> he's got to work on his defense. There's just this. It's it's uh it's frustrating to the casual fan. And if baseball was super popular and killing it on all fronts right now, you could get away with annoying some people at the fringes. Because if you're a front office member, you might hear this segment and call in or think to yourself like, no, they they don't get it. They don't get the point. This is only logical. These are the rules. We're playing within them. Correct. But if you are turning off, this is not your job, front office member, to include all of Major League Baseball fans into your thought process. But just so you know, you're turning off a huge faucet of people who see this and think, wow, baseball has enough problems. Now they need this PR nightmare of keeping their their best players in the minor leagues for cost purposes. It's a huge problem to the casual fan, and I think both sides know that it needs some fixing. Yeah. So uh, that's Derek Wetmore. I'm Phil Mackey. This is Touch Em All. And we, twice during this hour, including right now. Oh, that's coming in hot. Yeah. We're going to give away Twins tickets to the opener. But you got to know the answer to this trivia question, okay? The first person to call 651-646-8255 with the correct answer to this trivia question. You win tickets, all right? I'm going to ask the question, then I'll give you the answer uh, off the mics, gentlemen, so yeah. that Manny can... Uh, Manny probably knows that he's a trivia master. <laughs> yeah, it's like, he's like, I don't need your help. It's good. Which Twins player has hit the most doubles in a single season? So single season doubles record for a Twins hitter. I actually don't know that. It was 47 doubles this player hit. Okay? All right. 651-646-8255. Okay. First one to... We'll give you the answer Yeah. later on in the show. Okay. Here, I'll give it to you right now, Manny. Mic's off. Got it? Okay. All right. First caller. 651-646-8255. Why don't you tee up, but uh, you had a chance when you were uh, in Florida recently to talk with James Rousen. Why don't you tee this up here? What are we going to hear when we come back? Yeah, I got to sit down with James sort of early in spring training. So he was just getting to learn some of his new hitters. Nelson Cruz, Marwin Gonzalez was in the fold. And man, I just similarly to having a fun conversation with Wes Johnson that we aired a couple of weeks ago. This was just a fun chat with the Twins hitting coach who's now in his third season. He's got a new boss and he really peeled back the curtain on how he thinks about the process of, uh, even if it's a pregame batting practice, what are you looking for when you've got a big leaguer up there, knowing that you've got to get your hands on him and, and fix the swing and maintain it over a season? I thought he was really insightful. Uh, it was a fun chat. We'll do that when we come back here. It's Wetmore, it's Mackie, we got Manny Hill, and again, we're giving away Twins tickets later on this hour as well, at random on Touch Em All. Score North on 1500. Let your North flag fly. Score North.
Minnesota sports. Anytime, anywhere. Scorenorth.com. It's touch them all. The thing I keep hearing about Miguel Sano is he gets it when it comes to conditioning and nutrition. Do you believe that he gets it there? It would be great for the Twins if that's the case. But I think you're kind of just rooting for that. Look, it's possible that Sano has sort of had this light bulb moment, but we just can't know for certain until months later, maybe years later, in fact. I'm just a little bit skeptical right now after the number of times I've heard that. Touch them all! Touch them all. Here, score north. ScoreNorth.com. All right, it, it, people. Seven people guessed Chuck Knobloch for that trivia question. The What's answer, one of them, Chuck Knobloch. Chuck Knobloch uh, probably has some time on his hands to be listening <laughs> to live.scorenorth.com. Not sure he'd need our help <laughs> with the tickets. But. Uh, but the correct answer was Justin Morneau, who had forty-seven doubles in two thousand eight. Bananas. Marty Cordova, 46 in 1996. Delman Young had 46 in 2010. And then you go down to Torrey Hunter, Chuck Knobloch, Kirby Puckett, and Zoila Versailles all had 45 doubles in different seasons. Eduardo Escobar did have 48 last year, but some of those were with the Arizona Diamondbacks. We can't count those. Sometimes you forget how good Delman was in 2010. Right? Because it was surrounded by so many other like underwhelming seasons, but that year he was... Really, really good. He also batted seventh almost the whole year because Ron Gardenhire was like that. He's like, I my lineup is set the way it's set. If I move him from seventh to fifth, he's probably going to get into his own head or something. But oh man, uh, and then they should have traded him, and they didn't. And then he never did anything after the 2010 season. But hey, he won the Venezuelan <laughs> League MVP. What have you done lately? That's true. It's a good point. Uh, all right, let's set this up. You had uh, you had a chat with James Rousen earlier this spring. Yeah, I. Talked with Twins hitting coach James Rousen in his third season. Here's my interview from early in Fort Myers. All right, our guest is Twins hitting coach James Rousen. James, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with us today. No problem. Thanks for having me. So this is the Touch Em All podcast. I'm Derek Wetmore here in Fort Myers. Um, and I'm curious about a number of different things, but let's just go rapid fire. And if we find a topic we like, we'll just stay on that vein. You got a new boss this year. What has it been like working with Rocco Baldelli so far in Twin Spring Training? I can tell you, uh, Spring Training has been really good so far. It's been upbeat. Um, Rocco's um, awesome. He asks a lot of questions. Um, kind of involves everybody in every aspect of the game. So we're, we're talking about, you know, from my standpoint as a hitting coach, we talk about the hitting a little bit, but more more than that, we talk about like the total synergy of the team and we talk about the offense as a group and things of that nature ways to kind of win games so it's been fun so far uh, we've talked every pretty much every day about something different so it's exciting for me to kind of get a little different perspective too remember when i first talked with you james it was like i want to develop a relationship with a guy first before i start talking about his hip rotation or whatever <laughs> whatever the terms that you guys speak in seems like rocco's got a lot of that same characteristic too where his number one goal in spring so far I can tell anyways, to build that vibe. Is that a fair assessment? Oh, uh, Definitely. You know what? Um, being around this game a lot, you know, it's, it's a people business. Um, yeah. You have to get to know people. There's so many different things about people. And if you want to find a way to motivate a particular person or if you want to ask someone to do something, um, you know, they got to know you care about them first. They got to know that you, you understand where they're coming from. So I think it's important to do your homework on every individual, whether it's in baseball or in life in general. Um, you know, you gain people's respect, and they know you're coming from a good place. It seems like at that point, then things get easier to work down the road. So sure. that's kind of Rocco's approach to it. That's the approach we had talked about a couple of years ago is how I feel about it. So it's pretty nice to kind of 
right now we're kind of hitting the ground running a little bit with it. Yeah, that's great. Well, you got a couple of new guys, uh, Nelson Cruz, who I understand you're meeting with after this interview, yes, and uh, Marwin Gonzalez. Uh-huh. It, just a number of new hitters. Is that a is that a challenge or is it just a fun experience when you get a new guy in who you have to develop that relationship all all over again? Uh, it's fun, you know. It's fun to me. Um, just whenever you meet new players, I think the first thing you do is because you ask them, you know how they had the success that they've had so far in the game. So you spend a lot of time talking to them about, you know, what's gotten them to this point. And you're talking about two guys here in, in this yeah. instance that are pretty good and have pretty good track record. So, you know, just learning from them the things they do well and having a lot of fun and then learning about them as people a little bit and learning how they how they go about their business, how they do things. You know, they both have pretty good personalities, yeah. but they're different, which sure. is the way we all are. So um, it's been fun. I'm looking at, you know, the new guys coming in. And it's also been helpful now in my third year here um, having the experience of having some of the guys now that have been here a little bit knowing those guys. So sure. that makes it a lot easier because now you're not learning an entire new ball club, but there are a few pieces here and there as, as time goes on. Do you think they pull from teammates? Uh, uh, Nelson Cruz will come in, and he knows what he is as a hitter. He's He's had success in this league. But then that's almost it helps shortcut the process for a, a hitting coach if he can talk with Eddie Rosario about what is what is the approach what are we working on here um, Absolutely. do you think there is that sort of collaboration between teammates oh i think honestly i think there has to be and it's funny okay. cuz as a hitting coach um you know the the mindset may be from the outside looking in that the hitting, hitting coach is going to give you all the tips and all the advice and all the things you need to do. But if that's the way it's happening, that's that's probably not good for the team. Sure. Um, what I like to do as a hitting coach is I, I ask those guys to speak up. Um, what's this look like? What have you done against this guy in the past? What's your routine like? I want teammates to rely on each other. Um, the more you get in there and the more these guys are comfortable with each other and asking those questions, the better we're going to be as a team. The more comfortable Nelly is sharing that information. I want him to be very comfortable to share information with his teammates and not feel like, oh, man, I don't want to say that because that's the hitting coach's job. At the end of the day, sure. we're the Minnesota Twins. And we're trying to win a world championship. And if we're all working together for that one goal, it's going to be a lot better. So egos can't be involved in this yeah, business. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's pretty much true across the board, I, I've realized. I was talking with somebody about the pitcher camps that went down this spring or winter i should say and have been happening for a while is there a hitting equivalent to that james that um uh, for example a guy will come in in january to fort mm-hmm. myers and work on just change up this is change up camp do you have something similar like that set up for hitters um throughout the organization Ah uh, yeah, so in the minor leagues we we do have specific camps um, that guys show up to in the winter at different times, and they're working on a specific goal okay. uh, for their swings. We also um, a couple of years ago, you probably know, we got a lot of the hitting coaches together, and we talked over a little bit of philosophical things and things that we sure. wanted to do as an organization. Um, we have a new hitting coordinator this year, uh, yeah. Peter Fazzi in the minor leagues. Um, I've spent a lot of time with him in this major league camp. Really, really good guy, exciting. Um, you know, wanting to be here. I'm um, looking forward to doing the job, and I think he's going to bring a lot to. You know, helping us kind of become one and make sure we're preaching one message throughout the organization. But sure. there are definitely times where you do want to bring guys in the off season to work on a specific task. Can you share an example of something you'd be working on, or is that inside baseball too too much of a trade secret? Um, I don't like, I don't think it's necessarily a trade secret, but I I would say like this, like you know, you may have some guys that are you know swing wise they're they're hitting a lot of ground balls or they're doing some things different where there's something you see in the swing that you can help them with. Um, sure. It may be just you know. Pitch, pitch uh, selection or play okay. discipline, things of that nature. So I think what you start doing is you go through a year and you identify some of the issues mm-hmm. that a player may be having. And the best times to work on that are going to be in the off season because during the season, as much as we try to um, think, you know, let me work on this one thing for results, results matter. It's, it's hard to go out there and really work on something. And if you're struggling working on it, it's tough for a player to – 
to look at those numbers every day. So I think the goal is to try to pinpoint those issues in the off season, give you a few months to prepare to get comfortable with it, and then now hopefully during the season those things just kind of take over naturally. Got it, yeah. And then it's more about maintaining Absolutely, the season, absolutely. Whereas acquiring new skills is a real challenge during absolutely. the Absolutely. There's, there's a learning curve with that sometimes. Definitely. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. Uh, James Rousen is our guest, Twins hitting coach uh, in his third season now under – now under a new manager, Rocco Baldelli. James, I, I want to ask you about um, bat speed drills. I've been hearing this mm-hmm. uh, as a little bit, whether it's part of Twins Camp or it's an off-season thing, or maybe it's an individual thing. What can you share with our listeners about uh, how you guys are going about increasing bat speed across the board? Well, I would say, you know, a lot of times bat speed is what, what um, what's talked about, and you hear, like, the different drills, whether it be um, the PVC pipes or the weighted bats, or there, there are different ways of going about um, drill sequences for that. The way I like to think about it, honestly, is about swing efficiency. Okay. Um, I like to really think about it in terms of making sure the swing is – efficient as possible when you talk about an efficient swing you're really talking about you know quickness to create speed rather than brute strength or raw strength to create speed um and a lot of times that's the difference between guys using too much of their upper body at times to try to create the power and obviously when you learn how to use your legs your lower half in an efficient manner you can kind of speed the process up and your and your power plays a little bit more so you know one of the things i say is when you when you walk around every day obviously you're walking to and from where you're going on your legs. You're not walking on your hands. You're not doing handstands everywhere you go. So your legs are a lot stronger than your arms are. Sure. And as a, as a, as a hitter, sometimes we'll, we'll get to the point where we want to be so aggressive. You'll see guys, they'll lose some speed in what they're doing because they're trying to create so much upper body strength or power with things as opposed to understanding that using the legs for rotation can create the speed. So the bat speed in itself comes from having the most efficient swing. And I think just kind of identifying where a guy needs to work, whether that be on hand position, lower half position, but what's going to allow him to get in position to create the quickest swing with speed will ultimately create more bat speed. That's that's fascinating. Thank mm-hmm. you for sharing Absolutely. those details. I hear uh, J.D. Martinez. He's a fascinating mm-hmm. figure. He sort of changed himself as a hitter throughout his career. I hear him talk about getting on plane early. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you guys talk about? Is that part of the vocabulary? I know that every hitter is different, so I don't want to say like this is the overarching hitting philosophy. That's uh-huh. it's maybe counterproductive for me and the media to do that. But is that the kind of thing that you guys talk about internally about getting getting on that swing plane and staying on it as long as possible? It's what I hear JD Martinez talk about, but I don't know if it works for every hitter. So I'm asking you. <laughs> you know, to answer that, you would I would tell you I would say that with some hitters. So the key in, as in coaching now is understanding the vocabulary that hitters are using as they come up. Um, a lot okay. of the vocabulary that was used, let's just say, 15 years ago, it meant the same thing, but it was it was a different way of saying it and. Guys identify with it differently. So I think what you have to do now is understand where on plane is. I use that with some guys because they're very comfortable using it. They've used it coming up, and it's my job as a hitting coach to adapt to the vocabulary that they're comfortable with to help them. Um, On plane, for me, if I related it to 15 years ago, would be where, where guys talked about, you know, short to it, long through it. You know, they were trying to get in the zone early and then stay in the zone for a long time was the key. Uh, guys that get on plane, they're trying to, you know, get the barrel in the, get the bat in that zone mm-hmm. early and try to ride it all the way through the zone for a long time. So there are a lot of similarities, but the, the vocabulary has definitely changed, but sure. I think it's important to work with the vocabulary that best helps the hitter. I mean, 
And, and we could tap into just like the mindset, like now we hear guys talking about, you know, launch angle versus working on top of the baseball. And there's so many different ways where you hear, um, well, you know, you should work on top. Well, the swing doesn't work that steep or the swing doesn't work uphill that much. And the bottom line is you use the vocabulary that works with the hitters. Watch the result that comes off of what the hitter's thinking. So if you watch a result and you see a good swing and you see the ball do what it's supposed to do, as a coach, the first question should ask the hitter is, hey, what are you thinking right here? And as you find out what he's thinking, you have to jot that down because you know with that hitter you're going to say, hey, this was your thought that created that type of swing. So I could care less what the thought is. Sure. That's going to be the one that I use for you. Yeah. So it's dangerous to listen to you coach different hitters at different times because you will have different <laughs> yeah. vocabulary for every player based on the results they get. That's fascinating because you hear a lot maybe in the NFL about this is this is what I do, this is what I coach, this is my vocab. Mm-hmm. sounds like you're speaking a bunch of different languages with a bunch of different players. Yeah, yeah <laughs> multi-languages in this business for sure. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> hey, I got one final question for you, James Rouston. Thank you so much for taking the time on this. What do you look at for a hitter? You just told me about a swing. So I'm imagining you watching pregame BP and somebody just has this beautiful swing and a great result. What are your performance indicators that you try to look at through either a season or just even one session? What is success? Because we know in this game you can hit a screaming line drive at the shortstop and that's an out. That's a process you might like to repeat. Um, what, what, what are you looking at as sort of the indicators for that was a good swing or this is a good process? Um, I think I like to see guys stay loose um, throughout what they're doing. Um, I think if you're loose, you're comfortable in what you're doing. Um, I also focus more on the accuracy, um, the accuracy of the barrel. So I want to see you know the barrel on the ball in the right position consistently, especially when you're working off of tee work or toss work or you're working in sure. batting practice. I think you should be able to, as a professional hitter, when you're working well, um, control the accuracy and control the contact a lot better in those in those atmospheres. Obviously, in the game when the ball's moving, that's going to change because it gets a little bit tougher as the sure. speed picks up. Um, but I look for things of that nature. I look for players to, um, you know, keep their head still. Things that you heard since you were a kid, um, and, but they matter. You know, guys that are still with their head. Um, I talk a lot about sometimes in my mind I look at the three H's a lot of times, which for me will be your head, your hips, and your hands, and understanding how those three things work and are they working in sync and sure. in order. So as I'm watching the swings, I usually start from the ground up, but that doesn't always that doesn't mean that there's not problems sometimes with the upper body first, but I tend to start from the ground up and then kind of build a profile. But I'm looking for efficient swings that are quick, that have speed to them, and when the body's working efficiently and quickly, generally the bat's coming through the zone in the right yeah. way. That's that's amazing. Thank you so much for this deep dive, James. Really appreciate you coming on Touch. No worries. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it, Derek. James Rousen with Derek Wetmore, who lit a cigarette after that deep dive that's into it was pretty hitting cool. and that was awesome. It's funny. He ran off and had to talk to Nelson Cruz like in depth for the next probably half hour talking hitting mechanics and all that. So I guess I was the warm up. <laughs> yeah, he got he got all primed up. All right. We already gave away one random pair of twins tickets to the opener on Thursday. We got another pair of twins tickets, but you got to earn it. The first person with the correct answer to this trivia question, 651-646-8255, will win the tickets. All right? On July 30th, 2001, the Minnesota Twins completed a trade with the New York Mets. They traded Matt Lawton. Who did they get in return? Who did the Twins trade Matt Lawton for on July 30th? I know the answer. 2001. Manny's nodding. First person with the correct answer gets the ticket. 651-646-8255. It's Touch Mall. Let's go through some of the things you learned from James Rousen 
And we'll pay off this trivia uh, question, too, on the other side. It's Scornorth on 1500scorenorth.com. It's hard to do the floss wearing snow pants, but that's how we feel about Minnesota sports. It makes us want to do that. We know you get scorenorth.com. If it runs, guns, balls, hoops, drives, putts, bunts, dunks, hunts, lobs, saves, tees it up, throws up the rock, or bangs the boards, you'll hear it here. Scorenorth.com. All right. I'm going to out Derek here. Derek's young, was born in the 90s, and has been... Racking his brain. You got to put me out of my misery, man. Here, right? This is bad. So the question was, and we have a winner, right? What's the name of the winner, Manny? The winner is uh, Kyle Peterson of Ramsey. Okay, so Kyle, Kyle Peterson, congratulations. The question was, we're giving away random Twins tickets, and that's our last pair for today. But I'm sure it won't be the last time we give away Twins tickets on this show. Uh, the the question was, in 2001, July 30th, the Twins traded Matt Lawton to the Mets for a pitcher. Who was that pitcher? And Derek's been asking, he's been playing 20 questions in here. It's more like 40 questions. (laughs) (laughs) So this pitcher made more starts in 2002 than any starter in the Twins rotation. So it was was Eric Milton, Brad Radke, Johan Santana for a partial season, Joe Mays for a partial season, Kyle Loesch. And then this guy made the most starts. And he was good. He was. He was pretty good in 2002. Except he gave up in a two-year stretch. Actually, it was a maybe a year-and-a-half stretch with the Twins because it was 01 and 02. I know you're going. This dude gave up nine bombs to Jim Tomey in a <laughs> year-and-a-half. How is that possible? Uh, get in line. All right, you want the answer? Yeah. Rick Reed is the okay. answer. All right. Okay. He threw that little two-seam fastball that would oftentimes not quite go inside far enough and Jim Tomey was he's a right-handed pitcher throwing to left-handed Jim Tomey and you don't get in there good luck so Jim Tomey faced Rick Reed 30 times over a pretty short stretch because they might have had some interleague back and forth but Rick Reed was mostly facing Jim Tomey in his two and a half years with the twins yeah and Jim Tomey had a 444 average, a 500 on base percentage, and a 1481 slugging percentage for an OPS of just under 2,000. That's Jeez. Jack Parkman against Rick Vaughn, man. <laughs> uh, and, and so the final tallies were uh, nine home runs in those 30 plate appearances <laughs> against Rick Reed. But eight strikeouts. Eight strikeouts. Nine home runs. If you're telling that me is you'll, amazing. Take, you'll take the strikeouts. <laughs> yeah, I think that'd be okay. Oh, God. Rick Reed. And then uh, Rick Reed was just atrocious his last year with the Twins. But it was like at the time, he was one of the higher paid pitchers in baseball because he played for the Mets. He had a couple good years in the National League. And the Twins in 2001 were in the mix. They traded for Rick Reed. And uh, he was he was one of their best pitchers in 2002 as well. But... If you take the Jim Tomey numbers out, he was basically the Cy Young Award winner in the American <laughs> League. So oh, there man. was. All right, we just had James Rousen on, and uh, that was an awesome conversation you guys had when you were down in Fort Myers. What would you say? What are because we've talked so much about the Twins pitching and and what they're doing on the pitching front. What are they doing on the hitting front, and and what are some of the things that you were able to glean from? James Rousen and all your conversations. I really like the way James talked about individualizing hitting plans. They are not going to say, okay, like you and I talk about like the lift revolution, Phil, or like, okay, get the ball in the air. That's where you're going to hurt the pitcher. Okay, but not everybody's going to do that. Not everybody thinks about hitting in the same way. And if you go with a cookie-cutter approach to a bunch of big leaguers, it's going to fall on a few deaf ears. I think that there's... Like the time... Excuse me, I'm, I'm choking up. Wrong wrong tube, drinking a glass of water. 
like those Tommy Mansky training videos from the 90s where every hitter has the same like robotic mechanics. Sure, Fred yeah. McGriff comes on with the big high hat. Yeah, that's not the twins is what you're saying. It's not going to play that way because okay. you're going to have your Nelson Cruz who hits differently than an Eddie Rosario, who hits differently than a Jake Cave, who hits differently than a Byron Buxton. And I think... I, yeah, well, Buxton the, doesn't really hit yet. Well, that's fair. That such an easy Look at his shot. AAA numbers yeah. and they're a little bit better. But uh, one of the things that... <laughs> I struggled to move past that. It was really well executed. One of the things that he said during the course of that interview that I thought was really funny is like, if you're another hitter, it's dangerous to listen to me talking with hitter X and your hitter Y. You might have two totally different styles. You might approach the game differently. Your your plate appearance ideas might be different to say nothing of your physical abilities and your mechanics and all of that sort of stuff. So that was really interesting that you can't be uh, you can't be listening to me talk to Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz, who rolls out of bed at 38 and hits home runs, he's going to think about plate appearances differently than Byron Buxton, and yeah. he should. I mean, he's, yeah. he's earned that over his last 10 years have been wildly successful. Uh, it just talking with him that whole time made me think about if – you're the twins. You're going to win based on the collective whole probably being better than we're projecting the parts. Does that make sense? Yes. You're going to succeed if you get the one of the best possible outcomes out of Byron Buxton, one of the best outcomes out of Eddie Rosario. They're already banking on one of the best possible outcomes for Max Kepler. It's why they signed him to a big contract. So for the twins to win in 2019, that individualized approach is going to be such a big part of it. Um, and with that being said, I think you can look up and down the roster, and on paper anyway, Phil, this team's going to hit a lot of home runs. And your job, I think, as the hitting coach is to eh, don't screw that up. Yeah. So Nelson Cruz, is is his value is twofold. One, he's been one of the most uh, prolific power hitters in baseball, even at his twilight age range mm-hmm. here in the last five years. So. Adding that bat to your order is going to be huge if he performs the same way or similarly to the way he has the last few years. But is Nelson Cruz also sort of an assistant hitting coach too, or like an assistant hitting psychologist? Like well, how how is he integrated with some of the other they players? Definitely want him to be that. That is an open invitation on the Twins' part to go ahead. If you see something that you don't like in Rosario's approach, let him know. It's not as as Rawson said. There's no egos here. This is not. I'm the hitting coach, and this is my job to pass down instruction. He said, "No, as as long as all of our hitters are getting the best information that they can to make the decisions on how they approach their plate appearances, that is good for the Twins. It's good for the collective whole." I don't know how much Nelson is going to do that. Like I don't know how much he embraces that. As far as mechanical tweaks and stuff like that, he might have a few projects that he works on through the year. But make no mistake, Nelson Cruz is here to hit. Like they did not hire him to be sort of the, uh, you know, the Maple Isle in the bullpen of well, he'll pitch some innings for us. We'd really love it if you could help bring some of these younger guys around and buoy the mentality yeah. of the group. Nelson Cruz might finish the year as their best hitter, even as a 38 year old. So that's first. Second and third. Beyond that, if he can share a helpful thought with a guy like a Byron Buxton, even just a little bit rubs off on how he approaches pitchers, how he tries to get into favorable counts, and then do damage once he's there and gets his pitch, that'd be excellent. But I think that's sort of gravy for the Twins at this point. Man, it's uh, it's going to be... There's so many things to watch early in the season. Byron Buxton's number one for me. Just I don't, oh, yeah. I don't think you can... For him mentally, I don't want to be hyperbolic here, but... 
I don't think he can go through another two for forty stretch to start a season and just bounce back from it. I again, I I hate to put a ton of emphasis on small windows of baseball because baseball is meant to be played out over six months and over multiple years. I mean, it takes sometimes it takes six months to figure out. You know, based on one extra hit every two weeks, who the batting champion is yeah. versus who's a two fifty hitter, right? So I don't want to overemphasize, but if that dude comes out and goes two for forty in his first three weeks, I just don't know how you can look him in the eye and say, "Yep, you're still in our plans for the future, and you're still gonna you're gonna hold this thing down, and we're gonna." You can't give the guy six months of leeway if your yeah. plans are to win the season. So yeah. he's got to come out and he's got to do something, otherwise. There's Jake Caves knocking on the door, and eventually, like we talked about earlier in the show, there's Alex Kirloff's knocking on the door to play out. For yeah, I'll, I'll push back on that a little bit, because first of all, I think if anyone has the mentality to survive that two for 40, Buxton is super well equipped. Not not just because he's had well, practice. He, he has. Thank you, Phil. Cheap shot artist. <laughs> it's, it's not a cheap shot. <laughs> I set it's it up for you on a tee. But he's also this like just super resilient guy. He's confident. He's humble. He has all of the sort of mental attributes that you talk about and want in a winning baseball player. Secondly, I'd say it's more important for the Twins over the next five years that Buxton clicks than that you flirt with first place in April and May in the American League Central in 2019. So, yeah, you're not going to have six months of leeway where if he hits a buck fifty, you're just fine with it. I don't think if he starts out, Two for 25, you're going to start to see, well, now he's going to be a once a week player. No, no, no. He just, this is what I would do. This is my personal opinion. He's starting on opening day in center field. He's starting every possible day, unless there's just a nightmare matchup that you don't even want him in and he needs a rest. And he's hitting ninth. And all three of those things stay the course for three months and we'll see where we're at. Is Kepler's leading off, right? Is that probably fairly well established? I think they're going to go righty lefty and some matchups. And if they see a big velocity guy or something that they, that they like a matchup here or there, they'll pick it. But I think Kepler might just be their primary leadoff guy. Yeah, there's a lot of different. We'll have to over the next few days here. Maybe maybe Wednesday's show we can do. Well, the 25 man roster is going to be. Set by Wednesday. How many? How many left to cut here? Are they down? They they'll, have a couple decisions. They'll have to make a bullpen decision. We'll see who's going to start the season on the injured list. But I, I'd, I'd say you can pretty effectively look at the twenty-five men right now and say, yeah, that's our group. Yeah. So that's Derek Wetmore. I'm Phil Mackey. Manny Hill is part of Touch 'Em All, and you can find the Glenn Perkins Show starting weekly next week on Thursdays at one o'clock on Score North, and as part of the Score North Twin Shows podcast feed. But also, uh, if you missed episode one, go check it out. It's uh, it's, it's just a great deep dive, and Glenn Perkins is, is back. He's alive, and he's back, and he's part of our Score North team. We'll catch you later. Score North Live with Matthew Collar coming up next. Call it Duty Modern Warfare is here, and so is Mountain Dew. Roger that. Now you can unlock in-game rewards like only Dew can. Wait. What rewards? A Dew Operator Skin. Man, I love Operator Skins. Dual double XP, and even Call of Duty points. You're kidding me. Double XP and Call of Duty points? This is incredible. I can't believe it. Soldier, get a hold of yourself. Oh, roger that. Look for specially marked packaging and visit mtndugaming.com for details and restrictions. Open to U.S. Residence 17 Plus. Call of Duty points available on 12 and 24 packs and free 20 and 23. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays, and Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone.
Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone.